All right. Happy Sunday to y'all. I almost said Happy Easter. Well, I can still say Happy Easter. Uh, we're still happy. Still Easter season. Uh, happy Sunday. Uh, if you're visiting, my name is Peter. Uh, I, I didn't forget who I am, even though I forgot what day it was. Uh, I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs, and we want to just thank you for joining us. Um, we are going to pick up in our All and Nothing series. All and Nothing Christ is all and in all, as we're about to read, and because of what Jesus has done, he's done all that is necessary to enable us to be completely free, to have nothing to do with our old way of life and living and thinking. So that's basically the all and nothing series. Your story can be just that, not just trying to make that your story. That can be your story because of the word of God. And so we're going to get right into the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're still in chapter 3 of Colossians. We'll pick up with the verse that we left off with last week, and we'll move forward all the way to verse 11. So starting in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly among you, in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, everyone say, but now. But now, but now verse 8, you must put them all away, anger, wrath, Malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. God's word. Thank you. Y'all can be seated as we pray. God, please add a blessing to the reading of your word that's way beyond my thoughts. Holy Spirit, help us to do what your word says here, to to live out the implications of this new identity that we have, the mystery of knowing that we're not the same, we're new, and so we can actually live that out and nourish our newness in you and put to death all the stuff that's just not us anymore. Help us for your glory today. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to unpack this passage that we just read. And I have one big idea and two big tasks or things that we need to do to live out this big idea. So here's the big idea. Here it goes. You ready? Well, I'm ready. Here we go. Identity determines deeds. Another way of putting it is, you are what you do, and you do what you are. That's just the nature of things, because identity determines deeds. Now, this passage that we just read has all sorts of stuff in the middle of this passage about uh, our old self, our old identity, and, 
and the, the practices or deeds associated with that and how we're supposed to put them to death. And, and it talks a lot about the, the implications, the consequences of those old deeds and the, the pain of it. And it's not just a story or ideas in here because we all know from our own lives and our own pains and our own suffering that all the things that he's saying is true. And that's the past, he says. But sandwiched in that is... The start and the, begin, the beginning and the end of this passage is all about our new identity, our, our new life. And so this passage begins and ends with big statements about identity. Verse 4 says, Christ is your life, and you're going to appear with him in glory. In the midst of our worries and fears and struggles throughout the week, how, long do, how often do we remind ourselves about that? I mean, maybe we have like certain issues like, okay, I've got this thing I'm facing in my finances or my family, so I need to do this. God, give me wisdom. Wisdom for how to get through to the next step is good. But how much more important is perspective and context that Christ is your new life? If you are born of Jesus, if your life has been transformed by God, It says, this is your identity statement. Christ is your life. This is not only your identity statement, but this is your destination. Christ is your life. Verse 5, therefore, says, have all these commands, therefore put to death what is of your old identity. And the passage ends with these words. He says, you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, here there is no, not Greek and Jew and circumcised and uncircumcised or barbarian or Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So at the very end of our passage, he's saying that this new self, this new person that we are, is the identity that determines our new deeds, our new actions, our new behaviors. That's our new uh, way of living. Not even race or ethnicity or any of the other things that we can qualify as our identity will have a greater bearing on what we do in life or ought to. Now, let me just break down the, the race and ethnicity thing that this verse 11 ends with, just for context here. You see, back in the day, back in ancient times, people used to think, of race and ethnicity as determinants for behavior. Uh, and so let me just break it down, because we don't struggle with racism in our culture anymore, right? I'm being facetious. But there was this thought, these, these qualifiers, Scythian, barbarian, these were almost cuss words to look down on certain people. Barbarians were, were known for impurity. Scythians were, were known for violence. And he's saying, you were this, these people. This was your basic identity, and now you have a much greater identity. There was thought back in ancient days, of course, remember, that all these ethnic markers of who these people were determined their behavior and led to impurity. And all the actions and evil actions flowed fundamentally out of this ethnic identity. Now, I know our culture uh, doesn't struggle with these things anymore, and the, all these kind of microaggressions and misunderstandings, of course, that, that flow from this 
Uh, Let me just address it anyway, since, you know, that sin nature is the fundamental reason why we struggle with all these actions and deeds that are described in the middle of this, this passage that we read. Sin nature is the fundamental thing, and not our ethnic identity or any other identity marker. It's our sin nature. It's our fallenness that, that, that fundamentally in all of our DNA, we've denied God, and our new nature is the denial. It is the sin. And that, that fallen nature, not new nature, the fallen nature is what determines all these old deeds. And so the question, these... these uh, Racial stereotypes that I have to bring up. Are Scythians, are Scythians violent and degenerate sexual perverts? No, I know how, I just had to call that out there. So if you're Scythian, please know that I'm just using these phrase, phrases to dismantle these stereotypes, okay? Are Scythians this way? Are white people this way? Are black people this way? Well, let me just put it this way. Sinners are sinful. Hopefully that resolves any tension. Sinners are sinful. Sinners sin because that's what sinners do, and that's who sinners are. That's our old identity that determined our deeds because identity determines deeds. And Paul is saying, but now because of what Christ has done, you have a new identity. So what does this do? Just a few more statements about the ethnic part of this. Verse 11. If we have a new identity, what does this do with our old ethnic identity? Is it just just, uh, uh, deleted and God doesn't see it anymore? Well, I'll, I'll say this. In about one month, our very own Shadrach Lavelle Bell is going to come back and do a homecoming sermon here, May 21st, and talk a lot more about this. But I'll say this. When we are reborn in Christ, we don't lose our ethnic identity. We just lose the brokenness that's attached to it, little by little. The brokenness that's attached to any part of identity. That's our old self. And the reason why we lose it is because we, gr- we gain a more fundamental and, and what's, we actually are restored in a more fundamental identity for how things ought to be and what we were designed for. And that controls all the other markers of our identity. The new redemption controls our ethnic nature. All of our other natures. It redeems and controls it. And so with our new identity in Christ, when we are made new in Jesus our ugly division becomes a beautiful diversity. There's harmony that's brought to our identity. That's what racial redemption is all about. And only Christ can enact that. Only Jesus and what he's done can do that. Identity determines deeds or behaviors. We three or four times a year have this thing that we call Victory Weekend. And we, we teach through a bunch of different things and and dig, dig through different habits and behaviors. But let me say that the most important or fundamental teaching that we have in this whole thing is all about our identity chapter. Because identity determines deeds. And if you're new in Jesus, which is 
the, the point of our Victory Weekend, we, we, we talk about the implications. If you're, if you're new in Jesus and we preach the gospel and we have a, a certain level of assurance for being new in Jesus, and then it's the what now? What now to do with my sexuality? What, what now to do with how I relate to other people and my family relationships and friendships? And what now to do with my career ambitions and, and what drives me? Well, I can have victory in that. And most of my dysfunction and my behavior and my bad habits come from a misunderstanding of who I now am in Jesus. It would be pointless to just try to do behavior modification on that thing you just can't seem to get over, right? That anger pattern, that, that, that pattern in your relationships and the things that you do, to just try to modify your behavior is pointless, And if you're in Christ, though, if you've had new life in Jesus, then really victory comes in bearing out the implication of who you now are. Identity determines deeds. So this passage we just read is is bookended. It starts and it finishes with these big identity things. And in the middle, there's these commands And I've been praying this week about how to communicate this with you. I'm going to just pause for a minute and say, before we get to the two tasks that I've seen in this, I'll be as honest as I can possibly be right now with you in saying that I've really struggled with this this week. Like, what's God's word saying here? Now, in my first decade of preaching, I spent a lot more time trying to figure out what I'm going to say than I did figuring out what God's word says. And I'm trying to, you know, be the opposite of that. <laughs> Spend a little bit more time wrestling with what, what God's word says and who we are in this. And so I'll just say I've, I've really struggled with this. Paul already said just before this that we went over a few weeks ago, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so this leads me to ask, like, if, if we have died, and if we are dead to sin, why did we still have to kill sin? It says, put to death what is earthly among you. Uh, that's difficult for me. I, I don't understand it conceptually. Now, I understand it based on my life. I know that I'm a new person, and I know that I still have some things to put to death, right? I understand it experientially. But to stand up here and, and share with you conceptually what God's word is saying, I've struggled with. I mean, I had some illustrations and analogies that I wanted to bring to you, but I just, it wasn't good enough for me to say, okay, I'm going to bring this to you. I've struggled with it. And I'm going to pause there and say, maybe that's a point in, it, in and of itself to communicate with you. How good is our God? That even as he's redeeming us, even as he's making us new, even as we're growing in the new image of what he alone enacts in us, what he does in us is not determined by our ability to understand it alone. He's so much more brilliant. He's so much more glorious. And he doesn't necessarily need you to understand him and what he's doing for you to be his and to grow in being his and to put off all your old self. That right there was encouragement to me. So my discouragement became encouragement to me. How often do you not know what's happening in your life, but you can know the one who knows. 
You can know him. You can grow in him. You can put to death what was you, but just not you anymore. We have four kids, my wife and I. It's my best, best analogy with this point. And we train them up. And if you are a Dusan, this is the way we are. This is who you are. This is what you do. And there are certain things that they just don't understand. And they might not understand for decades, if ever. But it doesn't change the fact that they're our kids. Yeah. They're secure in our family. Even if they don't understand how we're raising them. And what it means totally to be a Dusan. Well, how much more our glorious God. He is at work saving the world. The process of bringing all things into obedience with the cross of Christ. That is a global, huge thing that he's done from the Middle East and North Africa. And even the crazy barbaric white people a few centuries later that looked like me. And now we're sitting here in America centuries later, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out how this all works out. And God's not confused at all. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's going to continue to act his glorious, sovereign plan, whether I understand it fully or not. I'm fully his, and I've been made new, and I'm working out that new identity. And he's patient with me, and he's patient with you, as you're struggling to grow in this and understand that. What a glorious God. What a glorious God. He says, put to death. I'm going to get to these two tasks. Put to death. Knowing that our identity is great, it's this most compelling thing to live new because God's made us new. I can deal with the fact that it's a little confusing that this passage seems to say, You've been made new, and you've put to death the old things, so put to death the old things and walk in newness of life. You've put off the old self, and you've put on the new self, so put off the old self and put on the new self. Well, that's a mystery. That's a paradox. That is the task that we are to to abide by. So first task is this. In one word, it's just kill. Kill. I know that's a strong word, but that's what the Bible says. Kill the old is the first task. Verse 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly among you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. The word used here for put to death, the, put to death, three words in English is just one word in Greek. It's nekrao, which is literally mortify kill, slay. It's a really strong word. In this list that it says, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, it all uh, involves things that we might think are just a part of us, right? It's really intimate things, sexual things, uh, uh, passions, desires in our heart. It's easy for our culture or their culture to think that the things that we're most intimately uh, connected with is who we are. Like this, this strange thing that we say in our culture, sexual identity. I, I think the Bible contends with that. We have an identity in Christ, which bears out in all the other things in our bodies, in our souls, in our spirits. So all these things that we think 
are who we are or who we were. Paul is saying here, no, despite being intimately acquainted with those things, you're dead to them. So now you need to put them to death. And what about us? Maybe you're here and you're a Christian. You have died to sin. And God is saying, with the new life that you have, you are to put sin to death, slay, mortify. It's not who you are. Verse 6, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. A lot of versions add to that, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Some manuscripts add that. The context is this. The wrath of God, if you're in Christ, the ultimate wrath of God has already come upon Jesus, our substitute. God is just and he's pure. Sometimes the most uh, severe portions of his wrath and his anger against impurity, because he's a just God, is just allowing us to do to ourselves what we're going to do in our impurity. But at the end of day, he will have a moment of wrath to vindicate all that's been made wrong. And we, Ephesians says, we were by nature objects of wrath. And so as much as Christ became our substitute, he took on himself what he in his nature shouldn't have needed to take on himself because in his nature he was pure, born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit, Who's his father? God the Father is his father. He's pure. He took on ourselves the total wrath of God. He became our substitute. And in the same way, we by substitution died to the old way of living. They've been raised to new life. And the wrath of God continues to, to spread and to come it comes on uh, by the blood of Jesus putting to death old people that are, are dying to their old ways of life and becoming new in Christ. And on a final day, the wrath of God will come fully and finally. I would rather have Jesus be my substitution for the very wrath of God. It says this, that's why it says verse 7, in these things, these things that are not a part of you, you too once walked. Why? Because you were living in them. In essence, this is who you were, and that's why it's what you did. You were in sin. Now, verse 11, it says you are in Christ. Christ is all, and he is in all. That's why he comes back and says, that's why you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. You've put off the old self and its practices. If verse 5 describes a list of things that we can be intimately acquainted with in our old self, this list, anger, wrath, malice, this describes a list of things that just will not be acquainted with our new self and our new family that we're born into. We are made new and we need to kill the old self. That's our job. No, I've said to you that I don't have a a great illustration, but I do have a decent one about how we can be dead to our old self, alive in the new self, and yet still have to kill the old self. So here's my best shot. You ready? 
11 years ago, my wife and I bought our first house just up the road in Kyle. And uh, our, our builders let me do all the, the landscaping, and so they just kind of left it back there as it was for me to go and, and take care of things and put a sprinkler system in and things like that. And right outside our back door, there was this big weed pile. And so what I did is I eradicated the weed pile. I built a nice little flower bed. I put petunias in it. Uh, and it was this beautiful new flower bed. Now, what I started to see, though, is, is that weeds, because of Texas winds, weeds would kind of blow up in that flower bed. And I'd pull them out. Now, let me just ask you a simple question. Before I transformed that thing, the weed pile, into a flower bed, why were there weeds in that area? Really simple answer. Because it was a weed pile. That's why there were weeds. Super simple. But now that it's a flower bed, having a weed in there doesn't mean that it's now a weed pile again. It means that I need to pull the weed. It's as simple as that. I just need to pull it. I need to get rid of it. We need to kill the old nature. Have you let certain things from your old nature take root? It's confusing. Pull it out. Kill it. That's not who you are anymore. You're a beautiful flower, man. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That's not who you are anymore. You need to kill anything that's of your old nature. Do you want a spiritual life that involves flourishing? Enjoy. If you're a believer, sin, because of what Jesus has done, no longer has any power to condemn you. But what sin can do is confuse you. Confuse you like a, like a dog purring. Like what? That's, that's what cats do. Now in the analogy, cats, the old unregenerate self. If you're a cat person... Sorry, not sorry. I like dogs. But no one needs to be confused. If you're in your new life, you need to kill the things that do not belong based on what God's word says is who you are and what you do. Why? Why do you kill? Well, this brings me to my second point. I'm just going to touch on it really quick. We kill the old because we are to nourish the new. Let me just put it really simple. This, for centuries, we as Christians have gotten this confused. That we just kind of eradicate sin for the sake of killing things. No. The reason I pull weeds is because it's a flower bed. I want to leave room for flourishing and beauty. And why are you called to kill sexual immorality, malice, slander, these things? Because that's just not who you are. And God has done enough on the cross, in the resurrection, for you to flourish in all joy, in perfect relationship with him and others. And it's a process that you work out. And the reason you kill is because you're alive. And you're to nourish the new life. And your ability to understand that and to act on that determines the flourishing, the vibrancy of your life. Verse 10, you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Now, most of this point, I'm just going to make this point for context for the point I've already made because 
Our very own Alberto is going to come back next week and preach verse 12 and going forward in this passage. He's going to talk a lot about nourishment. But I have to make this point because we kill so that we kill the old things that are attached to ourselves. We don't kill our, our self. We don't mortify our flesh. We mortify the deeds of the old flesh. And this is important. A lot of religions of the world, it's about mortifying flesh and it's about doing things that hurt yourself because somehow that makes you in right standing with God. Paul's already addressed the asceticism and, the, and that sort of false thinking in the chapter before. We are not to put to death ourselves, our souls, our beings, but the sin nature, or the, the deeds of the old self, the weeds that are not us anymore because we are new. And there is an adventure and a joy that those things just cannot coexist with. And we must not tolerate them. Romans 12, verse 1 or 2, maybe both, <laughs> says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. But it does not stop there. It says, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing. In our, in our verse, when it uses the word renewal, it says being renewed. You are being renewed. It's a process. God is so patient with you and me. There is a renewal process. There is a, a metanoia, the, the, the word for having our minds be renewed, where, where our new identity can bear out in the newness of life and the joy and the vibrancy you're new now in Christ, and your new identity determines your new deeds. So what of you is the things that you're doing are not you anymore? I came to know Jesus when I was 14 years old. So I'm going to share this story in close. I was 14 years old, and I, I became a different person. It's not because I was trying. I, heard, I had the gospel, this message that I'm preaching to you, I had preached to me and something happening on the inside of me. And for the last 20 years in September, I've been trying to figure out like, what that means now. Uh, now, at about 15 years old, my friends were coming against me pretty strongly in high school. Like I used to be the guy that did wild and crazy things that made sin more fun. And then now I'm the guy who comes to parties and preaches to people and gets them alone with Bibles and like, they, they didn't know what to do with that. And it wasn't also, it also wasn't super wise because here's what happened the next year. The next year when I was 16, I got a car. And with that car, I drive around and I slowly, here's what I, how I know. Verse nine says, do not lie to one another. You've put off the old self. I started lying to my friends in my Bible studies and my growth groups and it was little subtle things. Like, instead of confessing what I was really struggling with, I, I would be like, oh, I'll just pray for me for just purity. I didn't tell him what I was doing. I was just general because I was a coward. And so I, I started lying. And I was going out with my old friends in the confusion like a cat barking or a dog purring was just my life for a few months. And I would go with my friends and we'd drink and I'd do impure things. And I remember in the middle of all this, we, uh, I, I kind of had a business venture. I'd start these little like fight clubs before fight club was a movie. 
and we'd get boxing gloves and we'd rent out hotel rooms and we'd bet on it. And um, that's kind of what we did. I thought it was really cute and fun. And I led one of my new Christian friends into that old lifestyle that never satisfied me. I thought it was cute and fun. It never satisfied me. And I went to a Bible study that next week, and I, uh, I kind of felt bad about the things I was doing, but I was going to kind of low play all that was going on. And so I said to my guys in my group, I'm like, man, guys, I've just been kind of struggling a little bit, and I need to kind of just like, you know, get better a little bit. So uh, it's been just a little impurity and, and stuff like that, that I'm struggling with. And I thought that would be good. And my friend Ken, Ken looked at me and he said, you're better than this. That's not who you are anymore, and you're not off the hook. Ken was kind of harsh with me. And to this day, it was one of the most loving things that has ever been done for me on this side of the cross. Who are you? Who are you? What excuses are you making for how you live your life? God doesn't want to argue with you about specifics. Maybe you should do this, shouldn't do that. Maybe it's okay, maybe it's not. God wants to tell you deeply who you are. And new identity frees you for new deeds. Powerful deeds, prophetic deeds, Jesus glorifying, gospel multiplying deeds. Not because you're trying. Because the newness of life must bear out in that. Let's pray. Lord, help us. If there's anyone in here who really hasn't, they, they haven't died to their old self and been raised with you, Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show them that even now. Show them that so that they can repent. You said that your, your word says that if we call out to you and we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, we will be saved. So I'm asking for that power even now, the honesty and prayer before you. And Lord, help the rest of us who have died to our old self and been raised to new life by you to mortify the deeds of the flesh, the old sin, so that we can grow and flourish together Lord, I'm praying that in the next few weeks we'll have amazing stories that come through our growth groups. People that are, are sharing new, uh, new things, being honest in new ways because that's what you're calling us to. We're not on this earth to waste our time with trivialities. We will appear before you in glory. So help us to, to live a life that takes leaps towards that by your spirit for your glory. Lord, I'm praying that any, anything that people need to do in this, this room right now to respond, that you would make it clear and that no one would be in a hurry to just leave here. Amen.